0: North Atlantic Books presents Gypsy, a Memoir by Gypsy Rose Lee Narrated by MiauMia The dedication reads, To Eric, my son, so he'll stop asking so many questions. Prologue Chapter 1 This was my last farewell tour. I've made six, more or less, but Las Vegas would be the end. Less determined minds than mine might have been influenced by the crowd that gathered around me at the station. People were poking their heads into the car, trying to get a better look, scratching up the fenders with their scuffling, and shoving pieces of paper at me for my autograph. Twenty years ago, I would have accepted all this as a tribute. I know better now. Unlike most Rolls Royces, which are sedate black, mine, made to order when I was playing the London Palladium, is maroon and grey, with my initials on the door in gold. Twenty-seven pieces of luggage, including five Siamese cats in two plastic dome-type carriers, a guinea pig, and two turtles in a fishbowl, were being unloaded from the car by a redcap. Eric My eleven-year-old son supervised the job while I posed, showing a bit of leg, for a picture. The press photographer had thoughtfully brought along a toy-sized suitcase, which I held in one hand. The other hand held my skirt, lifted to the garter line. The caption of the picture was to read, Gypsy Rose Lee and her Las Vegas costumes. I didn't need a crystal ball to see why a crowd had gathered. Eric, with a practiced eye, counted the luggage. Besides the 17 Vitan suitcases, hat boxes, and shoe bags, there were the scenery, makeup box, music, typewriter, a portable television set, Eric's stamp album and school books, a wicker lunch basket, and a net shopping bag filled with oranges, jelly beans, cat food, dried bugs for the turtles, graham crackers, and magazines. The trunks had gone on ahead. Tattered hotel stickers covered the suitcases. Where they hadn't peeled off, you could almost follow our route. The Ritz, Paris, Savoy, London, Oriental, Bangkok, Mumunia, Marrakesh. There were others from Rome, Oslo, India, and Australia. Some of the stickers were faded now. It had been a year since my last long tour. During that time, I'd been playing nightclubs in Vancouver, San Francisco, Buffalo, and wherever I could. There had been seven weeks in summer theaters, too, and a few television shows. Las Vegas would wind up the season, a season like so many others I've almost lost count. There have been seasons in a carnival, vaudeville, nightclubs, Hollywood. But since 1931, the act has stayed pretty much the same. H. L. Mencken called me an adhesiast. I've also been described as deciduous. The French call me a déshabilleuse. In less refined circles, I'm known as a stripteaser. Eric and I have a house on East 63rd Street in New York. It has 26 rooms, a marble floor in the drawing room, a pool in the patio, an elevator, and seven baths scattered about but we don't spend much time there. We're usually on the road. I try to arrange my bookings in such a way that we can be home for Christmas, but this isn't always possible. This year, for instance, we would be in Las Vegas. One Christmas, we were in Spain. I was making a film there. Another Christmas, we were in Paris while my costumes were being made. One awful Christmas, we spent driving through a blizzard to Miami, where I was booked in a nightclub. Eric opened his presence that night under a tinsel tree in a hotel lobby in Richmond, Virginia. He was four then, and it had been difficult explaining to him how Santa Claus knew we were going to check into that particular hotel when we hadn't known it ourselves. Eric's belief in Santa Claus was shattered the following year in Dayton, when we ran into Tiny Pearson, a comic I'd worked with in Michael Todd's Star and Garter*. Tiny was doubling between shows of Santa Claus for the local orphanages. With his round pink face and big fat stomach, he was most convincing. But when Eric was sitting on his lap, he noticed that Santa's beard was coming loose. Leaning closer, he smelled the glue. That spirit gum, Eric exclaimed, like Mommy uses to glue on her brazier with. Later, when he thought it over, Eric was glad to know Santa Claus was an actor. It's nice, he said, having him in our business. This year we had celebrated our Christmas before we left for Las Vegas. We get more presents that way. It's too easy for people to forget you if you're on the road all the time. We had arrived in Chicago at 2.30 the following day. The prospect of a three-hour stopover wasn't too pleasant. A misty rain clouded the skyline. People walked about with their heads pulled down into their coat collars. They looked cold and miserable. The cab driver opened the door invitingly. Where to, lady? Henricis, I replied, almost from force of habit. They serve good coffee. It's right downtown, but most important, they have no objections to pets. Eric's face lighted up at the name. Isn't that where you had your birthday party, when you were in the Ziegfeld Follies? I tried to remember. It was when you hurt your foot and had to do the act sitting down, Eric said. My son has a memory like mine, sharp and clear for the trivia, but unlike me, he remembers names and dates. Next to Jules Verne, his favorite literature is my scrapbooks. The family history is very important to him. That was about 1937, wasn't it? he asked. Were you married to your first husband then? No, dear, that wasn't until later, I think. It couldn't have been much later, he insisted. You married my father in 1942, and you'd been divorced from. We'll talk about it some other time, I said. After lunch, we left the cats and the turtles in the check room at the restaurant. Eric put his guinea pig in his pocket, and we started out for a walk. The mist had lifted, and a wintry sun made everything yellow hued. Eric and I walked on silently. "'stopping from time to time to glance into a window. "'Then suddenly the street seemed to change. "'I looked around expecting to see the Oriental Theatre, "'which I had played in vaudeville, "'or the Schubert, where I had appeared for weeks in the Follies, "'or the Frolics nightclub, or even the Rialto burlesque house. "'I didn't see any of those landmarks, but I knew the street. "'It was as familiar to me as home is to some people.' There was an old sign hanging a bit crooked. The electric lights had burned out here and there, but I could make out the lettering. Hotel Grant. Below, in smaller letters, was rooms, two dollars and up. I looked up at a window overlooking the letter H and saw the dingy net curtains, the green shade that used to roll up suddenly and flap against the pane. The same noisy L roared by, and I remembered how it used to shake the bed when my sister and I shared the room with Mother and the six little boys in the act slept in the room next to ours. I almost expected to see Mother leaning out the window, yelling at me to be careful when I crossed the street. I used to live in that hotel, I said to Eric, a long time ago, when I was a little girl. Walking closer, Eric and I passed the all-night movie theater that used to run features like The Road to Ruin and What Every Young Girl Should Know. The current attraction was Striparama, starring Georgia Southern and Lily Sincere. Eric slowed down to gaze at the rather startling photographs out front. An odor of stale beer wafted through the ventilator of a bar and grill next to the theater. It had been a chilly parlor when I was a child— Now great slabs of corned beef and pastrami were piled high in the steamy window. What has happened, I thought idly, to all the chili parlors? In front of the hotel, I held my hands to the sides of my face so I could see into the dimly-lighted lobby. There were the same old brown leather chairs and the elevator, like a birdcage, with a piece of wood used to keep the door open between trips. The reception desk was where it used to be, "'but the board with the keys hanging from it "'had been replaced with more modern mail slots. "'Eric held his hands to the side of his face "'the way I did, and peered into the lobby. "'You lived here?' he asked, "'a note of sympathy and disbelief in his voice. "'It was nicer in those days,' I said. "'But as I said it, I wondered. "'I saw again the wash-basin in the corner of the room, "'the bare electric light bulb hanging from the ceiling.' and the big spot on the carpet the chambermaid had tried to blame on mother's dogs. Is this the hotel where you met that man with the suitcase filled with pickled babies? No, dear, that was the Brevort in St. Louis. This is where my pet monkey burned his hand on the Christmas tree candle. And where Aunt June broke her front tooth kissing her doll, and where your mother booked the act at an elk smoker by mistake. Was it by mistake? I remember we had taken a streetcar to the lodge hall. Mother had carried the music, the boys carried our costumes divided between them, and June and I had the gilded guns and makeup. It had been a long ride on the streetcar, and when we finally got there the head elk wouldn't let us go on. I had no idea it was a kid act, he kept saying. This is a smoker, a stad party. This is no place for kids. I don't care what it is. I have a contract, and you either play us or pay us. Then, when she saw the man was adamant, she told June and the boys and me to wait in the dressing room, and pushing open the door to the stage, she faced the audience and almost spoiled their entire evening by making a speech. It must have been a good one, because after it, one of the less important elks had passed a hat and when Mother came back to the dressing room to get us, she had more money than we would have earned had we played the date. Ushering us past the head elk, Mother sailed out of the lodge hall. He'll think twice, she said, before he tries to cheat another helpless woman. I wasn't sure it had been by mistake. Mother didn't make many of them. I wish I'd been in the act with you and Aunt June and the boys, Eric said. But I guess your mother couldn't have found a place for me. I can't sing or dance or do anything. I couldn't sing or dance either, I said. But she found a place for me. Your mother, Eric said, must have been a very nice woman. I couldn't help smiling at the word. Mother had been many things, but she had never been nice. Not exactly. Charming, perhaps, and courageous resourceful and ambitious, but not nice. Mother, in a feminine way, was ruthless. She was, in her own words, a jungle mother, and she knew too well that in a jungle it doesn't pay to be nice. God will protect us, she often said to June and me, but to make sure, she would add, carry a heavy club.